Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, a very well-known name in our industry, Howard Owens. Howard's worked in every pocket of Unscripted, starting as an agent. Then he moved over to the production side. Then he jumped over to the network side. Then he's come back to the producer side a few years ago with his very successful company, Propagate Content. It's a company he started with Ben Silverman, another name I'm sure you've heard of, his former partner at Reveille. Needless to say, it's been quite a ride. We get into all of it and we find out how a law school grad ended up becoming one of the most prolific producers in our industry. Well, Howard, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. So happy to have you. Um, I always start by saying how I know my guest, and we don't know each other. Well, now we do. Yeah. The last 10 minutes. Exciting. Fun. (laughs) We're born in the same town. Yeah. I mean, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Who who knew? (laughs) Who knew? Not a lot of of, uh, entertainment execs or people in our biz from Bridgeport. Right. Well, shh, keep that on the download. <laughs> well, you're not from Bridgeport. You're from New York City. One year. One year in Bridgeport. Yeah, exactly. I was born in Bridgeport. I use it to my I use it to my benefit. Right. It gives you some street cred. A little street cred. Right. Exactly. You're like, I'm from the rough, the rough and tumble. I'm from the, 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 the mean streets of uh, Bridgeport. They are mean streets. They're tough. It's true. So we um we got connected through Lynn Kirby, who is one of my favorite people. I don't know about you, but she's the I best. love her. She she emailed me today. We're gonna get together and she asked me. She's doing really cool stuff. She, everything she does, she's one so of— So smart. I, yeah, I was just going to say that. I don't know if I've talked about her before in the podcast, but she she does sort of stand out in our business because she's also just an intellectual who reads books and, like, really— And a great person um, who understands relationships and really is solid, you know? I knew it. her when she worked at Court TV. Me too. For my partner's mother, yes. Mary Silverman. She told me that crazy story. I had no yeah, idea Ben's so mom was in the business. Incredible. Incredible. Right. Yeah. God, it all goes back to Court TV. Exactly. Doesn't it? It, <laughs> it always does. does. Crime. Crime. Yeah, exactly. Crime. So you, okay, you have such an interesting career path. So you actually are a lawyer, or I guess, did you ever actually practice law? You got a law I degree. I did. I'm still a lawyer. Right. I, I'm still a lawyer. You keep up, you take the CLE keep, and all I don't, that I don't take it, but I pay my... Um, I pay my annual attorney fees, okay. you know, attorney to registration fees to stay in the bar. But exactly. You, and then do my you, dad convinced me to do that because he was always convinced <laughs> I'd be needing to be go back to be a lawyer. That's so right. The so fallback. he was like, you got to. And, and I was like, funny. so he did it for me for a long time. And now I just do it out of, you know, because I can say I'm a lawyer. Oh, that's so funny. You know? So did you actually want to be a lawyer? You know, I didn't know okay. my dad was an attorney and a state senator and was a uh, federal prosecutor under RFK oh, wow. and so it had a really interesting legal career and is now a, a judge he he's recently retired but a state judge in in Connecticut and um so I learned a lot and he did criminal law which was really fascinating and he represented a lot of mobsters and a lot of big, you know, big crime, you know, big drugs, big stuff like that, among other things. But that was that was kind of his bread and butter. And he loved it. So that was my passion. I wanted to be a a white criminal attorney. And then that sort of went away. I still worked and I had a big uh, vehicular homicide case was my first and main major uh, uh, trial, Uh, not trial. I didn't go to trial. It pled out. But um, that was uh, my first thing. And, and about that time, I got into the uh, outdoor media business with my brother's best friend from college. He turned into one of my best friends, and he had a uh, an outdoor media business. And 
I became his lawyer and I moonlighted and did deals for him, learned the media business from the ground up for he and his mother's best friend from Shell, who helped fund the biz in Wait, Stanford, what's an Connecticut. outdoor media, like billboards? Billboards, okay. bus advertising, oh, truck ad. We did alternative um, media, alternative outdoor media. Okay. And it actually started off as a sports outdoor media focusing on the Olympics in Atlanta in 1996. And I did their deals and we did big deals for Panasonic and big deals for AT&T who were five ring sponsors at the time. And the idea was that uh, out, this thing called vinyl wrap bus advertising had just come out. And that was a technology from Silicon Valley that allowed, um, uh, it was vinyl and it had pinholes in it. And so when any kind of light shone on it, you could reflect an image and yet on the inside of a bus, if you were traveling and you could see out. Oh. And so you see them all now. They're all, you know, uh, it's all over in every bus in New York and stuff like right, that. they're all wrapped. But at the time it was new. So he had a philosophy that he went to Atlanta. My friend Greg Smith, my business partner and friend, um, he went to Atlanta and he bought the 50, the only 50 high-end buses in Atlanta from a guy named Sammy Linnell. <laughs> and he put a $50,000 down deposit on those buses and had six months to then go sell a program where he went to AT&T and Panasonic and HBO and all these people and said, not only will I give you VIP transportation, right. I will also give you outdoor media. And the Olympics had just put in a uh, requisite that if you were a five-ring sponsor, you had to buy local outdoor, like in Atlanta, because Nike and other companies were guerrilla advertising. They were putting the um, athletes in the gear yeah. and they were sniping in the city. And so people would be five ring sponsors, Reebok, I think at the time. And uh, but Nike would own the city. So the Olympics changed that. And you had to kind of take a local outdoor media buy in addition to getting VIPs around, which is a disaster in, in Olympic cities. So we went to Kodak at the time, Rochester, went to uh, all these companies. And of course, the person who, you know, is kind of a foolhardy mission at, at first because the people who did transportation had no idea the buyers who were buying local outdoor media. And so we ended up, I ended up put a couple deals together. We actually successfully sold that program and I became his partner really quickly. And, um, he, you know, he and Lillian Shapiro, his current partner, they they kind of moved on, and and she was great actually, and a mentor to me. But then in '98 for the Nagano Olympics, I moved to Tokyo for six months, and we did a joint venture with Dentsu at the time. And so I just learned a lot about local media, about yeah, outdoor right. and stuff like that. And I did the deals, and we sold, and it was fun, and. Um, Shortly after that, I joined the William Morris Mailroom at 30 years old, at 29 and a half years old. I joined okay. the William Morris Mailroom. So you moved from Connecticut to L.A. or were well, you no, already no, in, I was L.A.? in New York. Oh, I joined the mailroom oh, in New okay. York and uh, the outdoor media biz was in New York. And Got the outdoor it. media business is now Titan Outdoor, which is Huge. a massive, okay. you know, I, you know, and Smitty killed it. And yeah, I gave it back. <laughs> I gave it. it back. But but I have I have a lifelong friendship and a yeah. you know great guy. And I awesome. made a lot of money when I was. I mean we we were for young kids. Killing we were it. killing it. Nice. Okay. So you go to at the time William Morris. I keep wanting to say WME, but it was at the time William Morris. It was and William Morris, nineteen ninety eight, okay. August seventeenth. I started twenty nine years old, literally pushing the mail cart. I had a fascination, you know, that I was. Um, um, that I wanted to be, you know, a, a big shot producer. And this is, this was the way in. 
I had a couple friends in New York at the time who wanted to produce indie movies with me. And I was like, I, I don't know how to produce a movie. Why would I do that? Why would I give you money? Why would I go raise money with you and ask people <laughs> for money on something that, you know, that I don't know? But I really wanted to learn. And I was always a kind of person who learned. I wanted to learn from the bottom up. I wanted to learn everything. You know, I wasn't comfortable, yeah. you know, um, just the way I kind of process things and stuff. So I was excited about joining the mailroom and I had applied to, I had applied, sorry, I had applied to <laughs> ICM in CAA in New York. I had no context in the biz. You know, right. my dad's a, just doing it blind. My dad's a, a lawyer, right. politician, and my mom's a school teacher, <laughs> right. and I'm from Bridgeport. And yeah. other than, you know, my media, my outdoor media biz was in New York, but it was still, did not have the entertainment um, inside track. So joined the William Morris mailroom and, you know, found myself pushing a mail cart around with a bunch of um, kids who were 22 years old who were laughing at the old man in the mailroom and stuff like that. But, with you a know, law degree. <laughs> with a law degree. And they kind of made fun of me. And um, I was cool with that, you know. And I, you know, the fact that I had learned that I had had jobs and was a lawyer and had been a school teacher and had this outdoor media degree and was an entrepreneur, you know, really helped, you know. So, so I was you rose like, quickly. Well, I rose very quickly. I think I, I was, I, I think at the time it was the record, you know, they had really? told me when I, you know, Pat Galloway and Kim Kozer, who were the head of HR at the time in, in New York, William Morris had told me that it would at least be five years before I could become an agent. And I said, well, what happens if I, in the interview with everyone, I said, well, what happens if I uh, bring in Leonardo DiCaprio as a client? Well, they're like, then we would, you know, have to assess. I was like, okay, so you're telling me there is a chance, you know? <laughs> and so I joined, I was in the mailroom. I could not, they wouldn't let me out of the mailroom because I couldn't pass the typing test. Oh my God. And um, I, can't believe there was I was a typing like 59 test. words. And I, I forget it was 60 or 80 words. And I always like came in one less. <laughs> Um, there are certain things I'm not good at. Right. Can't and be good at it at all. And so the, um, my, a friend of mine worked at William Morris in LA, a college, uh, a college roommate, Lou Henderson, and he ran their digital department at the time and was doing really cool, innovative stuff. And he had become friend, very close friends with a guy named Ben Silverman, who was running the William Morris office in London. And I had become frustrated at William Morris, New York, and it wasn't what I had thought it would be. And it was, I thought it was kind of a little fife to me and not as, not as entrepreneurial and, you know, not, not the way that I had kind of expected it to be, but, you know, easy for my expectations to be defied. You know, I had kind of read all the books and stuff, but, you know, and I'm in an in asbestos ridden mailroom, uh, you know, <laughs> right. on 53rd between uh, 6th and 7th. And the, um, so I tell Lou I'm probably going to quit and go back and beg Smitty to take me back as a partner and take half the equity I had, et cetera. And he's like, well, before you do that, you should go and you should meet Ben, who's coming back to New York. His mom hadn't been well. She's very well now, but um, he wanted to come back and be closer to his family and was coming back from London to be run the packaging department in New York. And I said, okay, great. I walked into Ben's office one day. He had been there. I said, hey, Ben, I'm Howard. I'm Lewis's buddy, and I'd love to work for you. And he's like, oh, great. Yeah, yeah, I've already hired an assistant. Sorry. And I'm like, ugh. And I, you know, left, and I went out, and I was ready to give my uh, to give my notice and stuff like that. And I was pushing the mail cart by, and I'd been planning this, and I pushed the mail cart by Ben's office the next day. 
and I went in and I said, hey, you know, I know you have someone, but, you know, I'm in the mailroom. They're not going to miss me down there. Let me do some projects. What can I do? What can I help you with and impress? And he goes, well, you can run, you can go do some research. This is pre-internet, you know. Right. I, I had Le- Lexus Westlaw. <laughs> right. Okay. So I had a little benefit, yeah. right? And he's like pre-mass internet for sure. Right. And he goes, um, find me the top five advertising executives who are investing in content and find me the top five um um, finance executives who were financing uh, movies. And so I went down, I did research for a day and I came back up. He's like, okay, now sit out there and call them and set meetings for me with them. So I did that. And um, I forget, Alan Rosenshine was a big one at BBDO at the time, but I, I, I it, yeah. it was super fun. Yeah. And so I just started moonlighting with him and he worked LA hours, you know, so he would right. come in right. probably at 10 and work till midnight. Yeah. And um, so his assistant that he had hired went home at five every day. And you took over. And well, so HR called him about two weeks later and goes, hey, we noticed, you know, Howard hasn't been in the mailroom and he's doing a lot of work for you. And you have, you know, Denise or whomever it was at the time. And you can't have two assistants. You're going to have to, you know, figure it out or send Howard back down to the mailroom, whatever. He's like, okay. And so he calls me in. At that time, I'm not on his calls, I don't think. Yeah. And he calls me and he goes, okay, well. Um, HR told me I can't have two assistants yet. So, um, you either have to go around the mailroom or you can tell Denise she's no longer needed and you can be my assistant. He made you fire Denise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went out and I fired Denise in about five seconds and as nicely as I could, but I, I was Step like, over. I wanted Step aside. it. I wanted it. You're I was hungry, hungry and yeah. she didn't, she seemed to see it. She, she, she had already packed her stuff. She had already packed her stuff. I think she had heard the call and she was like, okay, good Writing's luck. And she, she was gracious. Um, and that was the beginning of, you know, my relationship with Ben. And, um, I think I started working with him in like, uh, February, uh, March of 99 and Millionaire came out in August of 99. And I literally was still trying to figure out what he did. You know, it was international packaging. I was really new to, to entertainment and I understood media and I understand a lot of, I understood a lot of stuff and I understood business, but the... The concept of formats and unscripted and scripted cracker had come out around that same time uh-huh. on ABC, which was a big uh, scripted package. And uh, but Millionaire, you know, rocked it and it became crystal clear what he did, you mm-hmm. know, and he had been in London for, you know, a few years prior and he had locked up the rights to you know, all of the BBC formats and all the Channel 4 formats and the Carlton and the Granada and all Endemol. And he had, re, you know, he had done an incredible job of, you know, hustling and having foresight and vision and seeing around corners. And so when Millionaire came out, um, not shortly thereafter, you know, I got promoted off of his desk to, he promoted me to be the international coordinator. You know, he, you know, he was making up jobs right. at that point, but he needed it. Like, yeah. you know, now we had, you know, a thousand PAL cassette tapes, everyone wanting to wow. bring their format in, in, you know, around that time, you know, after Millionaire, you know, Ben represented the co-creator of Survivor. Ben represented, you know, he had the rights to uh, Big Brother, to wow. um, Fear Factor, to, um, you know, Weakest Link, to Queer as Folk, to you name it, you know, he and Greg Lipstone and Mark Itkin, you know, had 
collectively, you know, represented this just wave of content. No yeah. one else was even in the biz. Right. No other agencies were even in that right. biz. And so, which is um, kind of amazing that nobody, you know, like they they were. Well, like, it hadn't been anything since 1970s. I think right. Steptoe and Son, you know, which became Stanford Stanford and Son, okay. um, had been, you know, kind of Norman Lear had done it. I think uh, a couple times. Yeah. But other than that, it, it hadn't caught on. But Ben saw it. Ben yeah. knew it. Ben was a student of TV. Right. And scripted. I mean, I remember he didn't he do The Office and the Eva Longoria. So, I mean, he, there was like well, we tons had the of rights shows. to the office. Yeah. That was after that was at Reveille. You know, that, that was, was our Reveille. company. Right, right, you know, that, okay. that was our that was our company. So, how long were you? Because I know there's going to be so much when you talk about. It. I'm going to fast track it a little bit. So, how long were you with William Morris with him before you guys broke off to do um, Reveille? He started Reveille. You know, he was approached by Michael Jackson, the TV Michael Jackson, not the <laughs> performer, and. Um, <laughs> He, Michael Jackson and Barry Diller were at Universal. Okay. Barry had come back into the Universal fold um, and uh, via purchase, I think Vivendi bought, um, um, repurchased um, some of the Diller entertainment assets, including USA and stuff like that. He came back in, uh, he came back in and Barry and Michael Jack, Michael Jackson, um, introduced Barry on a business level. Ben had already known Barry uh, personally. Um, we were friends with Barry's um, uh, stepson, Alex Vonder, Alexander von Furstenberg. Right. And um, who, who's a great guy. And um, so Ben reignited his relationship, you know, had a professional relationship ignited with Barry via Michael. And, um, you know, Ben was thinking about either, you know, Ben had got a, you know, really big offer at William Morris to stay there and kind of, you know, at some point he would have taken over the the TV business pretty, pretty quickly, if not then, you know, I wasn't, and, and then he was deciding whether he wanted to do that or whether he wanted to start an entertainment company. You know, one of the, one of the things, and Ben had a lot of reasons and, and amazing uh, ideas behind starting Reveille. But one of the things was that we had been at William Morris and we had all these great IP and a lot of the IP was packaged with William Morris producers that we thought kind of at the time, a lot of them were old syndication producers and stuff like that. There were a lot of good producers. There's a lot of stuff that we felt sort of- Like you got stuck Were with. not as, no, that, that just were produced. We would sell big packages and they, it didn't feel like it was produced- well, that inspired, right. you know, wasn't that inspired. And so Ben had worked for Brandon Tartikoff had produced as part of learn that. And I had become a pretty quick study. You know, I was going to theater every week and right. I had been I now and, and I was pretty confident I can do it. And Ben knew he could do it. Yeah. And so he decided to go with Barry and to get back by Barry and NBC and start Reveille, you know, which was an independent um international production and studio, you know, mm -hmm. an alternative studio. And um, he asked me if I wanted to join him. I was like, hell yes. Um, I couldn't run out the door fast yeah. enough. Not not because I, at that point I was then having fun at William Morris and really enjoying it. Yeah. But I really wanted to produce an and I just knew Ben was a superstar and he was the smartest guy I'd ever met and, you know, so fun and, and a real friend. Um, and was, so were you still in New York at that time? Yeah, we're okay. in New York. So Reveille started in New York? Reveille started in New York. We worked out of the USA offices for the first, um, and we started in like 
um, November of 2011. And, you know, in addition to, to already thinking about going to L.A. because we if we had moved Wait, to 2011? L.A. 2011? Yeah. In November. Okay. I'm sorry. November yeah. of 2001. I was going to say that can't be right. November 2001. OK, got it. And. Um, the. November 2001, 9-11. I was just going to say two months after 9-11. Two months after 9-11. Yeah, in New York. And so we had, you know, as part of the thing, we could stay in New York. But, you know, we, we could do the company anywhere we wanted. It was Ben's company. He, he could do wherever he wanted. And um, they had, if we had moved out to L.A., would be on the Universal lot. And he had a golf cart, but I did too. And I really pushed to go out to the Universal lot. He wanted to go too. We were we were kind of we wanted to get out of New York, and yeah. you know New York was a little it was a difficult time in New York, and, and yeah, we, we thought we we could go in L.A. and we'd always have you know a big home and, and beachhead in New York, but thought we would try it in L.A. and um, so yeah, we did it, and, and Ben moved my me and my wife and my six-month-old daughter oh out to New York in, in May of 2002 and, and moved on the bungalows and assembled the team and, you know, people that we worked with at William Moore, at William Morris, Mark Koops, and Chris Grant came along and um, Terry Weinberg, who was an ICM agent, helped us get established and she was there and we just put together an awesome team and, um, you know, Ben did and I, I had so much fun, you know, starting Reveille with him, and it was a wild ride. And so we had the rights to the office that no one wanted at the time, and um, meaning no William Morris kind of let us go with it. It was wow. like this esoteric, you know, BBC <laughs> Three show, yeah. um, and um, which was brilliant. It was a hit there, but yeah. hadn't hadn't come on um, hadn't come on TV here yet, and um, the the UK version, mm -hmm. and. Um, and then we created a show, Ben and I created a show with our, our UK partner, Sebastian Scott, called The Restaurant. I we love that, that show. we did that for NBC, and we yeah. found Rock of the Spirito via my wife, who worked for Martha Stewart and was a foodie. And so she turned us on to this hot, cool chef who had Union Pacific Grill. And we created Nashville Star with uh, Jeff Wachtel and Doug Herzog. Mm -hmm. And this was before... Idol came out, yeah, and so we did that, and then, you know, uh, Ben had acquired the rights to Coupling, which was supposed to be the new Friends, right? Uh, that for was a NBC. BBC show. Yeah. That was um, I forget who be I forget it. My I, I, I think I, it was BBC. Yeah, okay. I remember like them saying it was going to be the next Friends. Yeah, I think it was, and um, so we. You're on fire. Just well, we we just yeah. you know we're we're hungry, <laughs> yeah. and you know, and one of the things about you know Reveille and Ben's philosophy that we still kind of have now, and you know, we we obviously augment and change, but you know, his belief is that storytelling is somewhat, you know, doesn't have to be as regimented and segmented, and just become what someone's a scripted comedy exec doesn't mean they can't have an alternative idea. Yeah, I was just going to say that because I feel like especially at that time, you guys were so ahead of your time where you were just, you know, quickly going between scripted and unscripted. And at the time, it was so bifurcated. I mean, for a year up until recently, where it's like you were either a scripted, constant, you know, studio or whatever, or you were a production company that did unscripted. Yeah. And never the two shall meet, you know. Yeah, we just did not believe that at all. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, partly because we were born as William Morris right. agents, though. Right. We, we, we weren't talent agents. 
you know, really, we had some talent. Uh, ben represented some talent, and I did too. Um, but we were primarily represented intellectual property right. and ideas. And packaging. And so when you're in the idea business, you're, again, yes, you're looking, but as a, you know, it was, we, you, you want the best people for that. And like, I remember, um, you know, the people we would talk to do DAC formats. We always thought differently. And even like Nashville Star, one of the first things we hired a guy, George Vershore. I mean, that was a live country music show. George's experience had been the real world. You know, he, right. co- I know that. Yeah. He, co- he started the real world with yeah. John and Mary Ellen. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, that was a really weird choice, right? And yeah. I forget, I think he did like, the, at Syracuse, he had been a producer for the college news station. That was his live experience. <laughs> and we were, we, you know, we figured it out. We hired a live producer to jo- John Small from Nashville to work with him. Mm-hmm. But we were just always just, you know, we definitely thought differently. I don't, yeah. you know, whether, you know, sometimes usually good, sometimes bad, yeah. but we weren't going to be boxed in. We were not going to be boxed in by conventional wisdom. I love that. So then you went to Nat Geo, right, from Reveille. So that yeah. was, you know, when I look at your resume, that was probably the thing that surprised me the most in terms of sort of what your path was and where you are now. You know, that was, and that's where I heard your name for the first time. You know, it's right. like, well, we got to bring it to Howard. We got to go to Howard. We'll see what Howard says. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be a buyer and have a little right? money. So, was that where you were that you wanted? You were done with sort of hustling and thought it would be like, what was the thinking in your no, head? No, I mean, I, I, oh, I hustled at Nat Geo. Trust me. <laughs> um, um, we love, I love the hustle. You know, I yeah. love the work. I love the aspect of the biz, the chase. I would say that's the one thing at right. Nat Geo that I, that the one thing at working in a network or a network group, you know, I was the president of the National Geographic Channel, Nat yeah. Geo Wild, the Nat Geo Mundo. And I worked for my good friend, David Lyle. Right. Who recently passed away yeah. and um, just such a great man. Mm-hmm. And um, did so. Did he come, did he call you? Like, how did yeah, it happen? Yeah, he, he called me. Okay. He called me and he started asking me for advice and I gave him advice. I had really <laughs> never heard of the Nat Geo channel. I had <laughs> really wasn't on your radar. It wasn't on I I had I had I had vaguely heard of it and and we had a format from Shine in the UK that we tried to someone in my office tried to sell. One of my uh executives tried to sell and I went in and tried to help them and the Nat Geo people were really just, you know, I, I forget. I, I won't tell you what show it is because I don't want to offend anyone. But there was a <laughs> crime reality crime format from the UK, and the star of it was this like really um, particular um, odd um, character, right? And so the American adaptation, you would find a professor. Um, who was more TV friendly, just as smart, just as interesting. But this person would never work on American TV. You couldn't understand what they said. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and then and the Nachi people are like, no, we want that person. You know, we want to keep it the exact way it is. I was like, okay, it'll never work. And it's so, I was like, this, this is a terrible idea. And I kind of decided I didn't want to be in business with them. It was like they were just, you know, trying to, they were just trying to get established, but they weren't, didn't have any hits, I don't think, or anything like that. And when I was there, that show came out. I'll tell you, it was it was Cold Case Crimes. And uh, that show came out, and it was, like, watched by three people. You know what I mean? It was, like, you know, it was, like, yeah. never going to work. Don't, yeah. So David was trying to um, figure out who to hire at Nat Geo and, and what the, you know, 
aspects of the, you know, unscripted landscape and things like that, which he knew, but he wanted to, he was getting my advice. And finally I was, he asked me if I wanted to join him. And I said, well, you know, I don't know. It was in DC. So I really, you know, but I kind of, my family was pretty young. I think my oldest daughter, Riley was 10, you, you know, and my youngest was six, I think at the time. So I thought, you know, and now my wife is a very, you know, cool, supportive and, you know, interesting. And her dad used to work at Natio. My wife's dad used to work, was one so of the chief weird. fundraisers there. And so I had a lot of familiarity with the core brand, with, yeah, the, with right. the magazine, the with uh, the old Explorer the special. Society. So I liked it. I mean, I, yeah. I liked to, you know, I liked the Natio stuff. I geeked out on it and <laughs> always enjoyed it. Yeah. And, you know, quickly after looking at it with David, I realized there was a big opportunity. You know, a lot of the programming they were doing was drugs and weird sex and <laughs> just stuff that I don't know why they were doing. I know they were getting ratings. You know, yeah. they were just like trying to figure it out yeah. and working hard. And there was some cool Locked Up Abroad was a great I show. Right. That, yeah. So but that was done before you got that there. That was done before yeah. I got there. The ones that yeah. were done before show. I got there were Locked Up Abroad. Yeah. Now Wondery Podcast. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's right. Funny. And I just listened to the the, the Midnight Express one. And um, crazy. William Hayes. And um, the. So you saw an opportunity, basically, to go in there, shake it up, rebrand it, essentially. I always thought that National Geographic Channel from the time that, you know, should yeah. be about the Explorer and all of us. Yeah. You know, and I thought that a lot of the. You know, the challenge was at the time, I think a lot of the physical world had been explored. You, yeah, you know, it's right. 2011 I started. Okay. And um, a lot of the real world, you know, they had Planet Earth had come out and been a yeah. big success. Yeah. And that stuff wasn't National Geographic, but um, a lot been. of it should have been. Yeah, and um, been. a lot of the, the physical world and um, they had done a documentary um, on brain games, Right. And so we wanted to turn that into a series. And that was kind of metaphysical exploration. And I thought that was a really cool, and, you know, I thought space was a place to go to and a a lot of things like that. And so um, we, you know, went after that. We went after the real world. We went after things like Life Below Zero, which we, which um, came into us through the BBC. I love that show. Production unit and Travis Shakespeare and Tim Pastor. Yeah, I like Tim. And love Tim and love Travis. They're great guys. Wonderful creatives. And um, we did um, Wicked Tuna, yeah, which David had bought before I got there okay. from Polygian, but yeah. had not been on the air. It was in, you know. Um, huge hit. I mean, how many seasons? Huge hit. We did a spinoff for them right. and we did, you know, everything. And Craig Polygian was great and Mike Nichols and those guys. And we, you know, did, I brought in the Killing series with Bill O'Reilly. I brought in, uh, you know, Killing Lincoln and killing. got right. Tom Hanks to. Huge, huge My ratings. team got Tom Hanks and we got him to narrate and host the first, that, that one. And then and those were, I went out and got yeah. Rob Lowe to do Killing right, Kennedy. Right. And we did that. Amazing. They were really, I watched them all. And they did great, right? Gangbuster ratings. They did very well. And one yeah. of the also things that we did, again, we, we you know, we wanted to do scripted. We wanted right. to do real scripted. We went and bought. SEAL Team 6 from Harvey and the Weinstein Company. Are we going to go, we go there now, Howard? We don't have to. <laughs> I, you know, certainly not anything we'll I want to— We'll you stay know. on your journey. Yeah. You, you know, but however, 
Um, that was a great yeah. opportunistic, you know, acquisition right. for us. And we were on the cover of the New York Times. And it, it was a film, right? Two days before the election. It was a yeah. film right. about the real experiences right. of the killing, killing Osama of Osama bin Laden. bin Laden. Amazing. And um, and it was well done. And it was high octane. And it was yeah. the number one. Uh, it was a biggest success, you, you know, that we had had there. So that that proved a lot of, yeah. you know, the appetite, the maturing appetite of the network. And we did a lot of military stuff, right. which was really cool. So, um, uh, Inside Combat Rescue, one of the great shows that I've ever been associated with, with the pararescue unit uh, of the Air Force. Um, so you got to, you know, develop Greenlight, work with these producers on all these incredible shows that were, you know, very varied from scripted to unscripted and all kinds of genres, you know, specific to the brand. What made you leave? Well, wasn't spe- um made me leave is that David Lyle was leaving. Okay. And um they had asked Courtney Monroe to be the new CEO. And I was I, I really um was ready to go back to LA. Yeah. And, How'd you um, like DC, by the way? I love DC. Really? I love DC. I love DC. But you know, they 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 kind of wanted to go pivot in a different direction. You know, the direction they're kind of going in now. And I thought that David and us, you know, were, were you know, when we got there, um, they didn't have a voice and they didn't have a journey. Like I said, they did a lot of different stuff and. You know, my belief is that the National Geographic brand is a, you know, um, is a documentary brand. It's a yeah. real brand. Yes, you know, there. I, I certainly I like the move into scripted and stuff like that. Right. But 129 years of National Geographic are real stories about real people, mm-hmm. are, you know, cutting edge, um, you know, docu-verite like that is the DNA of that brand, mm-hmm. and I think that they're they're still they're doing it. You know, they're they're doing it well, and I think. But but we we were there, and we wanted to explore the unscripted and the scripted. We we wanted to take chances. Like we wanted to see what the audience wanted. It was a you know the cable market had just started to wane. I think we bucked that trend and did a really good job of it. But we wanted to take chances. And, you know, the National Geographic um, um, Society and, you know, the, they, 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 they wanted to take chances, but they wanted those, those chances to be in line with what was the, you, you know, the Safe brand. chances. You know, they wanted to take a little safer chances and yeah. stuff like that. So I think David and I, as risk takers and as people who always want to push boundaries and push limits, I think there was natural you know, friction there. Yeah. But I think we loved it. And, and the, you know, couldn't, you know, I, I created great relationships there. And the Fox team was awesome yeah. and incredibly supportive. And, um, you know, Courtney's a super smart and cool exec. So we had fun. Oh, that's how you know Hernan from the Fox. Hernan yeah, yeah, was okay. the head of international Got and it. Hernan, Fox, what a leader. Right. And, yeah. and what he did with the Fox International, yeah. including National Geographic International was phenomenal. Yeah. And he and his former, uh, partner and colleague David Haslington. They they were they were they they were some of the best business media guys ever. Wow. So had you and Ben kind of always kept in touch and said like one day we'll be reunited? <laughs> like was that always sort of the plan to well, get we, back we're, together? We're, to get we're the band close back friends. Together? I mean we're yeah. we're you know we we um I would say our you know our friendship transcend transcends kind of everything, you know, that we do. And um 
and we have similar, you know, as much as we have similarities from vision and we have, a, you know, taste similarities and things like that, which, which help a ton. It does. You know, taste is a huge factor in terms of, um, you know, where you want to go and where you want to push boundaries. Um, we also, you know, I learned from him and he was my real mentor and friend and partner in the biz. And I, you know, the business is, you know, the entertainment business is tough and it's, it's, uh, challenging and you, you you can see things that aren't always pretty. And I think that Ben, you know, always, I just always had a ton of respect for him for so many reasons. One of which, you know, he helped people without, you know, with any expectation. Uh, he, he helped people unconditionally. Yeah. People he didn't have to help. Like people that. who never saw it. And he promoted me and helped me and promoted and helped other people. And, you know, you know, I, good guys win. And, you know, you're seeing good guys win is a really inspiring thing. And so I had always thought, wanted to get back to it and um, thought it would be fun. And he and I, you know, and he, it was interesting because after National Geographic, I was thinking about what to do and he was advising me and I was thinking about starting a new company. In DC and or? No, always, no, I had moved back to LA. Back. I, I, I was done. definitely <laughs> back in LA. I, I was already, I was already back in LA. Okay. I mean, it's just like also DC. I, I'm a media. I'm a. Right. I'm an entertainment. I like it. content, right. and you know, DC is a new, maybe a news town, but not really. It's a politics. It's town. not. It's a politics town, yeah. and that was fine and stuff. But I right. definitely ready to get to yeah. get back, and um, I, and so I was asking Ben for advice of starting our new biz. You know, starting a new biz at the time, and we were talking about what we like to do. And Ben, you know, Ben likes to. And I like to, and, and he articulates it better than anyone, but he he believes that, you know, being on the ground floor of creating shows and ideas and turning them into, you know, brands and turning them into global content brands, that 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 is culture creation. And, you know, you don't culture create it networks, you know, you acquire and finesse and then support and, you know, distribute and, you know, you, you contribute to it. Right. But the real place that's begun is at the genesis of an idea, yeah. is at the beginning of an idea. And so whether it's coming up with the idea, whether working with someone who you know has the idea in them, whether hearing and acquiring, you know, whether hearing and co-creating and working with people, we love to be at the beginning, at the at the start of that. Yeah. And, you know, our first show together, you know, was Planet of the Apps. Yes. And I had Dwight and Michael on. Oh, you did? On the podcast. Yeah, yeah we talked they about were it. Great. It was they before were great. it started airing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, so that know, must have been exciting. So that was the first show you sold to Apple. It was the first show Ben and I created together, together as right. our new as, as you know, venture. Right. And um, and so, and we did that with Will I Am. Yeah. And, and, and Gwyneth. Sort of, and Gwyneth. Will was our initial partner. Okay. And uh, our co-creator, and we brought him in, and he knows a ton about the the field. Yeah. And um, and we went out and we pitched, and we had a lot of interesting. We had a lot of interest at at the networks, and um, Will was in um, Cupertino, and he was with Jimmy Iovine and Eddie Q, and he told them what the show we were doing. They're like, "Hold on, we got to hear that," and they were just starting oh, to, to get involved, and so nice. I think we flew up the next day, and we were livid at Will. Because we like, we do this had a certain our way. meeting at Fox, and he's like, I can't go. And we thought Fox would have been really cool for it. 
And he goes, I can't go because I need to go to this Apple meeting. I'm like, well, we've had this meeting on the books for 10 weeks. And so we were mad, really ticked. And he came back. He goes, well, the good news is Apple wants to hear it. And so we went up, I think, the next day or the next the day after. Wow. And they bought it in the room. And that was exciting. And, and you know, Robert Kondrick and Jimmy Iovine and, and Eddie Q That's were so, so supportive and fun to work with. So and Gwyneth and Jessica, and it all came on board really quickly. Yeah. And, and Gary Vaynerchuk, who's amazing. I don't know if you've ever had him I on. Tried to co- a, I tried to get him for a show, you know, way guy. back before anyone knew. I don't even think I got a return email. I could, you know, my, my husband found him. This was, you know, probably seven years ago. I got like, this guy is a he show. He gets 5,000 emails a day. Right. I figured, you know, this, but it was like even before he became who he was. He's but still, still dead. He was right. the wine guy. He was, I mean, the, he was he like, was, exactly. he is, that was what he my works idea was. 20 hours a day. It was the wine stuff back then. So yeah, we, he's something else. So so yeah. that that's kind of what what you know propagate right is evolving into and so you guys quickly I mean you know I read the trades every day like everyone else in the business and you know deadline variety et cetera and it seemed like as soon as you started the company you were just out of the gate on fire selling gangbusters I mean which is you know rare in our business to, you know I mean everyone says oh it's the worst time to start a production company it's the worst time you know. But you guys were able to buck that trend, you know, by getting, I mean, it feels like everything I've seen that you guys are doing is all, you know, IP, special access, which is how I developed too, because it's the right. only way. I mean, like if we just develop formats, sure. it's like everyone's doing the same shit. You got to make it special, right? Yes. So was that sort of the goal out of the gate, kind of mirror what you were doing way back when with, you know, scripted, unscripted, you know, IP, and then packaging up and just... I mean, I would <laughs> say it's a little. I would. I would say it's. It's certainly matured and um, and changed. You know, our, one of our first big things come out today. Lore, um, lore. You, so, you know, oh, Friday so the Thirteenth. That. And that's based on a podcast. Congrats, yeah. And that's based on a podcast that um, um, Brett Patrick Jenkins, who works with Ben and I. Uh, found, and I think he found lore when there were five hundred followers. I mean, Amazing. that's like you know right. what. What really, yeah. you know, gritty, smart, creative execs do. And so we, you know, we don't, we don't have rules. Like we, right. we don't, you and know. And then you're we like, we're going to go to Sam's We, we like mail, idea. Right? We like our own ideas. We right. like other people's ideas. We like, um, you know, it's what we like and what we want to be a part of and who we want to work with. I think more than anything now, we are in the business of, you know, not just ideas, but people. You know, we are in a people biz. Yeah. And that's where things can go wrong. And that's where and, and not not meaning like everything goes wrong in production. Right. It's like, everything. you know, whatever can go wrong kind of does. <laughs> so you want to be in the trenches with people that you like and respect. So we want to have fun. <laughs> we want to create culture, both from yeah. a programming perspective, but also from the people that work there. You know, we hire and work with people we like and partner with people we like. And yeah. we you know, we really, you know, we try to, you know, make propagate, you know, a family. You know, we, yeah. we really like to um, support and hire from within and just, you know, cultivate what we have. And that's, again, that's that's a, a Ben thing. You know, a lot of people are always looking around and looking for the next great thing and trying to figure out who's next coming in the door. And he was always smart at reminding me that a lot of, you know, a lot of our strengths are what we already have. Right under your nose. You know, right under your nose. And don't don't forget that. 
Yeah. So I always ask people who have a partner and a company, you know, what are your, what are sort of complementary strengths to each other? Because I always believe that if like you have the same taste, that's great. But if you have all the same skills, that's not great because you need to bring other things. You need to sort of complete each other and not to be cheesy about it. So what do you think you guys bring that sort of complementary where it all sort of fits the puzzle? I mean, you know, on on one level, um, we... No, you know, we don't want to be at the same place at the same time. You know, we we specifically don't try to do the same thing. You know, we um, we are willing, you know, to defer and willing to let Ben or him let me or us to let colleagues take the front seat, run with it. We, we, we you know, we have a real we have a, a very good sense of, um, you know, one plus one plus one, you know, one plus one, hopefully equaling 10. Right. Not one and a half. You, right. You know, so, right. so. Like where you're most, where you We want to maximize best right. our skill sets. Yeah. I mean, Ben is, um, you know, Ben can see around corners and, and, and Ben can um, identify IP like no other and Ben can sell. You know, those are Ben's strengths. I'd like to think that I have some of that vision as well, that I can uh, identify, you know, great content and um, people who who are gifted, you know, production partners and, and that I can sell as well. I think that, you know, we we really, you know, have a comfort level working together. I have a lot of, you know, we trust each other. I think that's a, that's, that's a big part of this, you know? Yes. And so again... I don't need to be in the rooms that he's in and he doesn't need to be in the rooms I in and where we do need support. We help each other. I also feel like we intrinsically know where we need help. You know, if he has a big project that he's working on, but he's overseas, you know, doing something that I will intrinsically know that it needs to be picked up and know that it needs to be shepherded and overseen and cultivated while he's gone and he can come back in and take it over. And I don't, need to be a part of that, him taking over and vice versa. If um, I am off doing something and we're, we have a priority project that he can seamlessly swoop in, take it over for a week and he doesn't need to um, be a part of it every day after that, you know, so yeah. we, we hand off and, and have a good, um, and we also just have the same values, like, you know, and, and the same business values, you know, we, we like to, we're both politically, we love politics. We love, um, the environment we like to, we like to think that, you know, we like to think that what we do has a little bit of a positive effect on the world. We like to think that, you know, TV and, and content in, you know, programming and the stuff that we do is a, is a nice elixir for, uh, you know, sometimes a broken world. Like we just are, are both a little, you know, Pollyanna. Why and not? Why That's not? all we have left. <laughs> why not? Right. And, and again, I mean, and we like to have fun and we enjoy what we yeah. do. So those things are, are probably as important to our partnership as our literal bifurcation of duties. Right. Which are, you know, also I do more of the unscripted yeah. and he does more of the scripted. Um, we both love international, but yeah. he's been doing That's it, you thing. know, since he was born. Right. But I, I love it and I'll yeah. go over there and I, I have good relationships in it as well. Yeah. Um, What's the goal for the company? I mean, the goal is to create game-changing content with people we love and to do it and do it with with friends and you know hopefully hand it off to our kids i love that you know our goal is is um 
again, you know, we, you know, it's it's funny because I, I, I often had people, I've had people um, back in the old day, people that, oh my God, you know, you guys are such great deal makers and you guys were agents. And, you know, right. honestly, it's like, weirdly, it's the last thing that comes up in our conversations. Like we, you know, and, you know, as much as we have been successful and, and made money in the biz, it was never the driver. Like, you know, and like you said, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we, we, you know, I, I would like to, I, I, if I stayed in the outdoor media business, I would have made a lot more <laughs> right. money than I, well, than I have. And I didn't want to sell funds. billboards when right. I was, you know, I didn't want to be a billboard salesman, ultimately a great and a big one and established one <laughs> right. when I was 45 years old. No. I thought I wanted to be more contextualized content and yeah. wanted to tell stories in a more diverse and driving way. Um, and I always say PS and the money doesn't hurt. Right. If you're good at what you do, <laughs> right. I feel follow. like in any it field, the money, you know, you you will there will be a reward. Right. I mean, it's not a pro bono. Or, you know, you're it, it's a different kind. You Hold know, on. it doesn't mean that we won't do stuff because we don't like the deal. Right. You're saying that <laughs> Just is to be not clear. that's not. But we don't go right. in and say, what's the deal? Right. Like, honestly, like, we, we want to know, do we love yeah. the show? Do we want to work with you? And yeah, sometimes deals don't work out and people have different expectations. We have different, they right. have different, and it doesn't, it falls apart. Yeah. But it's certainly not the driver. Not, not what is the be all and end all in any way. Right. Which is, I believe that will, that is what makes you successful. Because I think if that's what you, you know, like I always say the best things that have happened in my career and in my life have not been the ones that I set out. I mean, even this podcast, it just kind of happened accidentally. You yeah. know, it wasn't like, I'm going to meet amazing people and I'm going to meet, you know, partner with them on different things. Sure. It just happened well, naturally. You're good at it. Happy. I'll tell you that much. Oh, that's sweet. Came but from if Bridgeport. It, <laughs> Yahoo. <laughs> all right. So we're getting to the end here. I got to ask, ask my stock question. Okay. Um, all right. So the first one is, what's your proudest professional accomplishment? It seems like you have many, but if you had to sort of pinpoint one, could you choose amongst your... I mean, my my proudest professional. I know because I say professional because you say kids. If it was is that. my proudest professional accomplishment is probably you know being part of the start and creation of Reveille. You you know um, I um, it was the most fun I've ever had, and it was the most um, you know intellectually and creatively and business you know challenging. And rewarding. And, you know, we had, you know, in, you know, after, you know, five or six years of Reveille, Ben went to become the chairman of NBC Entertainment, right. Liz Murdoch. We sold the company to Liz Murdoch. Myself and uh, partners ran it until it was sold to Fox, until she sold it to Fox. Okay. And there were a lot, you know, so we, it was a lot. It was an, a, a real undulating journey. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was fun and um, thank you. It was fun and, <laughs> you know, just really, you know, uh, tough. And, you know, all the best stuff is the hardest. You God, know, all, so the true. all the best stuff is the hardest. And so, you know, I really, you know, my ability to be scrappy and to dig deep and to, you know, really shown, you know, in, in you know, in, in my Reveille days, you know, in my, you know, my ability yeah. to, to sort of, you know, be as be resourceful, which is one of my good traits. Yes. You know, really. So it brought out the best in me yeah, professionally. I like that. And, and I, that that's something that I would say is is as of to date. My, right. Who my, knows my what's ahead? Yeah. Who I, knows ho I hope ahead. I hope there's better to come, and believe like there that. will be. Yeah, I like that. Do you have any regrets? No. Okay. No. Um, 
No, I have regrets things didn't happen faster or I have regrets, um, you know, maybe timing perspective. But, you know, I, you know, I had one of the a incredible, you know, um, I had an incredible run at National Geographic Channels. You know, I feel like I turned that place around yeah. and, and put it on the map and with with my team and our yeah. team. And um, I, I couldn't be more thankful, grateful, moved my family to D.C. Huge. You know, and that was, you know, and if you want to talk about journeys, you know, from a <laughs> personal journey, that was probably my my great journey, you know, because yeah. my wife and myself and my young daughters, you know, moved to D.C. Part of the reason I wanted to do that was I wanted to move my family. You know, I would have done it abroad probably. I would have gone, you know, we, my wife— Just for an adventure, you mean? No, I was thinking about going to India and starting a biz there at the time. Wow. You know, um, so hot. Ben had gone on his honeymoon. I'd never been. And I think, you know, reading the—you know, you know media in the middle class is going to explode. You know it's going to be a great opportunity. So I was thinking about my next step. You know, it was only a few months after I left Reveille when I joined National Geographic Channels. And so you might as well have been moving to India, you know, moving my <laughs> wife and two Same kids thing. to D.C. But the idea was that, you know, in L.A., you're in the car a lot. Right. I go out a lot for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I was, you know, I'm working, you know, and it's stuff like that. And I feel like I miss my family. And I also feel like there's a, there's an element of LA. The thing I least like about it is a sort of, it feels isolated at times and not communal. Completely agree. And so I was excited to move to DC with my family, knowing I didn't know anyone. Yeah. And knowing that we would play board games at night after work and that we would be forced to meet new people, look each other, not just communicate with each other. But communicate with others as a family. You yeah. know, I would need to get, we would need to put them in a new school right. and meet new people. And so, you know, I, I coach my kids soccer. Yeah. We would go, always go, we would ride our bikes and go to the monuments every weekend. You know, we just really soaked it all in. And I think it, it, it cemented what was already a good familial bond. I love that. To that's, be better. That's so sweet. Yeah, thanks. That's great. How that's old are your kids? How the They're now 16 and 12. Okay. Yeah. So you're still molding them and raising them. They're molding me now. Yeah, God. They're molding Teenage me. Teenage girls. As they always have. But they're, yeah, no, they're great. And my, I have uh, the greatest wife, Aww. you know. Is she so. in the biz? Um, she was. Okay. She was. She was, a, when I met her, she was making 10 times more than I was as, a, <laughs> as the uh, originally food producer, Martha Stewart, and then one of the producers for Martha Stewart Living. Oh, wow. And... Then she went on to do a bunch of stuff. She she helped launch a show, Trackers at Oxygen. Uh, what's her name? Marnie Fails. It's now Marnie Owens. I know a ton of people from that, and that era. And had a ton yeah. of fun. Yeah. And um and and re- you know more recently when we moved to L.A., Marnie started a charity called Baby to Baby that she co-founded with Karis Jagger and Lee Michelle, two of her best friends, which we started out of our garage. Which is now, uh, you know, a you know a huge charity. But at the time, you know, it was something me and Marnie and our two children, our friend John and Karis and Lee and Fritz and their children. We we started it. What is and it? What does it do? Baby to Baby is a charity for um, takes gently good, gently used baby goods um, from you know whether it be high chairs to. Um, Clothing. I don't know if they still do it that now. Yeah. But it redistributes to the needy right. and the homeless in LA. And um, wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love hearing good, good. It's cool. Samari- she's working like, on her next thing, getting ready to hatch that. So that's amazing. Final question. So, do you have in any free time that you do have? Do you have top three shows that you like watching, scripted or unscripted? 
Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you. I mean, I watch a ton. I tend to fall off on the older stuff yeah. and, you know, check out the new stuff. I'm definitely in a crime kick, you know, right now. I did the OJ um, documentary series, which a friend of mine produced and won the an es- Oscar for, Caroline Ezra- Waterlow. Oh, my God. Um, who is Ezra's partner, producing partner on the show, and she won an Oscar with him. So you were um, involved in no, that? No, oh, I thought I just you said you, you told oh, me sorry. what I watched. I'm sorry. I thought you said I I did it. I was like, you did. I okay, wish. you did it like you consumed it. I wish. Yeah, wasn't it excellent? God, it was so God. good. And I like the uh, scripted version of that. So good. My daughter watches a ton of TV and yeah. just got me into the Menendez brothers. <laughs> it's so cheesy okay, good. It's so cheesy I said, good. It's I was bad telling good. someone. It's bad but good. But it's also like it's it's, it's so Edie Falco, it's Josh Charles. It's like really He's the best. He they're they're so good. I think yeah. the thing that sticks out to me is a da da da, you know. I love it. I know. Which, Isn't it's, it throwback to like throwback. 20 I, years I'm not ago. sure yeah. why they do it, but you know, because you end it's up part being of in their, a I know why they do it, but I don't necessarily it helps the story particularly. It's jarring. But it's great. But you got to get on board with it. But I it. like the Menendez yeah. thing yeah, um, just because fun. it's, and, and I, um, you know, in the unscripted, I've always, I'm, you know, still a huge 60 Minutes fan. That's going to age and date me, but I, no, I, I'm right there I with it's you. so good. Nothing better. I love real sports on HBO. Yeah. I think that's one of the great programs. Do you watch 30 um, by 30s too? I love 30 by yeah. 30s. You know, I, I catch them as, ca- you know, I, I catch them when I can, yeah. but I, I really, really like them. I was just watching one. Um, and I like docs. You know, I, I like, okay. I, I love docs. I'm trying to think um, the last one. I watched Finding Vivian Meyer on Netflix, uh, made by my friend um, uh, Charlie Siskel, which is cool about this, okay. uh, this woman who. Um, is a photog- was a photographer and was a shut-in and was a babysitter and looked like a bag lady. And when she died, they found all of her film oh, and rolls of story. film. Yeah, yeah I read about Chicago. it in the Times way back. Yeah, so oh, he wow, did a doc on that, it. which okay. which was cool. My my oldest one's getting into art and photography. Nice. So, um, I mean, there, there's you so like much good stuff. You it's like a good goal. It, 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 it's really it's a it's a great time for for storytellers. God, isn't it? It's yeah. so ex- it's overwhelming. It's it overwhelming. Is. Like, there's not enough hours in the day. I mean, please, give me more. <laughs> give, give me, me more. more. That's what I want. Well, so, so fun to have you. Aliza. 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 <laughs> it's really great to meet Aliza. Um, you're, you're, you're a great interviewer oh, and you. a great um, conversationalist and obviously a bright light. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. 